Hello and a very warm welcome to Future Fit Farming, a podcast series brought to you by Royal Bank of Scotland. I'm Doogie Vipond and in this episode we're talking about mental health in agriculture. We'll look at the issues regarding rural mental health, including the burden on young farmers and other farmers navigating succession, and concentrating on what the panel believes the future should look like. Today, I have four expert guests to discuss this. First up is Chris McVeigh from RSABI. RSABI is remit to support people in Scottish agriculture, providing emotional, practical, and financial support to individuals and their families across the agricultural sector, including farming and cropping. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. We are second guest is Jude McCann from the Farming Community Network, a voluntary organisation and charity that supports farmers and families within the farming community. Hi there, Jude. Hi, Doggy. Good to be here. We also have with us today Heather Wildman from Saviour Associates, who provide farmers, growers and agribusiness clients access to sound, unbiased advice, coaching and mentoring. Hi there, Heather. Hi, great to see you and join you. Thank you, Dougie. Our fourth and final guest is Adam Matheson, a young farmer from Peebles who has kindly agreed to talk about his own mental health struggles. Adam, good to have you with us. Hi there. Now, Chris, I'm going to start with you. When it comes to mental health uh, in the farming industry, what is the scale of the problem, especially amongst young farmers? Yeah, it's, a, it's an extremely potent issue. Um, I think I, I've only been with RACBI for six months and I think the scale of the problem is very apparent to me early on. And what I didn't appreciate, you know, with a lot of a multitude of issues that affect the agricultural industry, which coming in, you know, to agriculture from a previous life, I didn't fully appreciate as a as a massive issue. And over the, the years, you know, and it's been a massive issue for a long time, but I do think over the years there's been a lot of more campaigning work taking place from the likes of ourselves at RACBI. We do our keep talking campaign. Um, for the last two years, Farm Safety Foundation, they do the Mind Your Head campaign, FCN do a lot of work on that as well, RABI um, that cover England and Wales. So there's been a lot of focus on it over the last few years, which has brought a lot of attention to it, which has been very positive. The press has picked up and hopefully it will encourage more and more people to come forward and, and speak about the problems that they're facing. Certainly from RACBI's point of view, we speak to people every day who have gained that wee bit of courage to pick up the phone and start that conversation, which is, is really important. There's a long way to go to try and reduce that stigma, still in the agricultural sector and in society in general, but having conversations like we are today um, is really important to keep that message out there that we can you know, pick up the phone and speak to somebody. From a young person's point of view, the Farm Safety Foundation, they published some research at the beginning of this year and that found that 88% of young farmers rated mental health as the number one issue affecting farmers today. So there's already a sense from the younger generation that it is a really important issue that should be focused on and taken seriously. What I did find encouraging through that research as well, though, was that 89% of young farmers also believe that by talking more about mental health, it'll help to reduce that stigma that surrounds it. So although, as I say, there's still a long way to go in trying to reduce that stigma, Hopefully the, the younger generation are, are maybe more open um, and feel more encouraged to come and get support when they need it. Those are huge percentages. It's, it's quite unbelievable. And Adam, as a young farmer yourself, you have your own very particular and personal story to tell. So if you're comfortable, could you share that with us? Yeah. So in December, I, uh, I kind of had a bit of a mental breakdown because I kind of went through a rough, a rough phase of a breakup 
But previous to that, there was quite a lot. I had quite a lot of stress in my head. You know, uh, my partner, she, uh, you know, took her own life, and I'd deal with all the stress of that, so to speak. And you know, I ended up in, you know, I tried to take my life twice, and you know, I failed, and then I ended up in a hospital for you know six weeks. And I said to myself. You know, I, I, when I was in there, I kind of said, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. And then when I spoke to the doctors, I realised there was, and I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And, you know, I got treatment for that. And, you know, I spent quite a long time in hospital. And I just feel now that when I came out of hospital, I kind of had to say, I think everybody should speak up when you're being like a young farmer. And, you know, being a, being a young farmer, is, you're always taught to be this heartless person, show no emotion, Everything to be just a robot. And I was just like, you know what, there's so much stigma. And, you know, I know quite a few people have said, you know, it's quite brave for you to speak up because good friends of mine when I was at Young Farmers, you know, previous to having my mental breakdown, they said, oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think there was nothing wrong with you because I was always smiling, cracking the jokes. And amongst everybody else, you know, I was always the life to the party. I mean, they heard they were a bit shocked. And I think me speaking up has brought a lot, you know, a lot of folk to say how they are and, you know, they've noticed they've got their own struggles. I think with me speaking up, it's helped other people, but it was really, really hard for me to speak up. And, you know, what I went through, it's, it was rough, if I was honest with you. Yeah, and listen, thank you for sharing that because you're absolutely right. Being able to share your story, make, will make younger people, other people, you know, share theirs too. And that's got to be the good thing. And, you know, communication has got to be key in all of this. So let, I'll just only ask you a question as well, while, while you're on, Adam, about isolation as well, because obviously farming tends to be a pretty isolated industry as well. Was that, did that add to the issues do you think you might have had as well? As a young farmer, you're always about life in the party, going out to shows, you know, you're spending a long time with tractors, you're in a cab for 16 hours a day, and you're by yourself most of the time, you know, you have your phone, you know, to speak to other people. It is, you know, it is hard to be by yourself all the time. And I think we're not, you know, working with John, I was away in the Terrigator all the time spreading, you know, I'd be away for three, four weeks at a time, away from everybody else, just seeing, just seeing the fields. And I think it did, it did um, take a toll. You know, being away by yourself, you've got nobody to speak to, you just feel a bit lonely all the time and I think that's a lot of farmers struggle with that just being by themselves and you know having COVID as well has not helped because you're not being able to get out and enjoy anything anymore and you know I mean I spoke to quite a lot of young, other young farmers and they said they've struggled with you know not seeing anybody all weekend or not even going to the pub or going out to other those farms you know it's you know it's a bit hard when I was here isolation. Absolutely now Jude what are some of the wider issues would you say related to mental health and agriculture because you know, Adam shared his story, but it's not just young farmers who, you know, have been suffering from this. Yes, Dougie. Uh, first of all, just a real credit to Adam for sharing his story. And the more and more people that start to talk openly about this, uh, I think we'll be in a much better position. Dougie, mental health is part of everybody's um, life. We all go through periods in our life with good mental health and sometimes poor mental health. But unfortunately, there's a real stigma even around the words mental health, and we need to start to change that conversation and, and normalise that. Farmers of all ages do experience um, poor mental health at, at, at certain times. Uh, we in FCN support 
uh, farmers, farm families across all of England and Wales. And Adam touched there on the, the isolation and the loneliness at times. You know, farming has changed an awful lot from when I was a young lad growing up on the family farm, where we were working with our neighbours and our cousins. And certain times of the year, there was a lot of activity and a lot of people involved in, in, on the farm. Technology has changed things considerably. So we're highly mechanised and very often it's one person operating a, a tractor, you know, and this, this time of year, first cut of silage going in, working very, very long hours, maybe not eating very well um, as a result of the work demands. We just need to start talking more openly about this. And as Chris said in our SABI, you know, we work very closely with our SABI. We have made tremendous success, I think, over this last few years and actually starting this conversation. You know, five, 10 years ago, mental health or talking about suicide or, or other serious issues, it was something we all shied away with. We just didn't want to engage in it. Whereas now um, there's much more openness around these topics. And one of the key things that we have been doing over the last six months in FCM is uh, an initiative called Time to Plan. So we're really get starting to get people to plan for the future, um, look at succession, have those conversations. And Father does fantastic work across the UK in this, in this line of work. But you know, it all impacts our mental health. If we're not having those conversations about what's going to happen in the future, am I going to inherit the farm or should I go and do something else? Um, you know, we need to start planning. We need to sit around the kitchen table, have open, honest conversations about our own mental health. And if things aren't going well, talk to your family, talk to your friends, or, or talk to an organization like FCN or RSABI. Absolutely. Um, now, Heather, given all these issues, what support is there out there for new entrants and young farmers actually joining the industry? I think now is an exciting a time to join agriculture and farming as has ever been. Um, there's going to be an awful lot of opportunities coming forward, but a lot does rely on the individual themselves of having the network and the contacts to be able to find the right doors to open. And, and I think industry are collaborating more than they possibly ever have done. You know, there's a lot of new generations a lot of um, matching services all over the UK. Um, I know the NFU, the Young Farmers, um, and even the government now are stepping up and realising that they need to do this. Um, and, you know, there's quite a new forums, next generation and things starting. But it really starts with the individual. And, you know, they need to know what they want. They need to verbalise it. And it's about networks. You know, in agriculture, it's, it's always been about not what you know, it's who you know. And, um, and it's what's your reputation as a young person? Because we do see a lot of, you know, gung-ho, young, keen enthusiasts, but it is how do they set themselves up? How do they behave? What are their reputations? And, and really getting out there, getting work experiences within more businesses, it just opens more doors. But I think the industry is becoming more aware of it. I think we've still got a lot to do. Um, but, you know, consultants, um, the auctioneers, a lot of these people, because a lot of the best opportunities are never advertised in farming, you know, and it really is. So it's about having your vision, your dreams, and then it's verbalizing it. And, and you know, been saying, oh, young Johnny, young Adam, young Jennifer, young Jane, you know, you, you two need to meet. Because I think farming um, is a, a, a real changing point now and young people are going to see more and more opportunities. But it is about having the right network um, and building that and not being afraid if someone closes a door on you to kick another door a bit harder. 
Okay, Heather, I've got another question for you, and this is quite specific, and it's kind of at the other end of the spectrum from young farmers, really. And well, I suppose it's an issue for young farmers looking forward, and it's about succession and, and how you can manage the potential issues and stresses that go along with that. Because, yeah, that, that is never going to be an easy thing to do. Even have that first conversation is never an easy thing to do. Oh, it is. And it's, it's so emotive with so many people. And, and it's, you know, you've, we've got the older generation sometimes who are afraid of bringing up because they don't want the younger generation to feel that they have to take it on because it's maybe not um, as financially rewarding as it used to be. But then the young generation can seem a little bit insensitive if they're all saying, you know, when are you going to retire? Because it, it can sound like, when are you going to die? And, you know, it doesn't have to. And, and some of the best businesses that are out there, succession, that word's never said, you know, and I think we need to sort of try and take some of the, the family and the emotiveness out of it and treat it like a business. You know, where do you see yourself? What are the skills um, and, and talents that we're going to need to get this business through to the next century you know because it is changing and just being a farmer um you know an average farmer used to be able to make a good living now really good farmers are struggling so it does take a lot of energy a lot of skill set a lot of resourcefulness and um and by pulling in your family having these conversations sooner and you know i love what jude said i do say planning for your future um, you know so sometimes it's we're afraid of, of, of if someone is retiring where's their purpose you know, what are they going to do and how do we let them retire with dignity and pride? And, and other times there's a real clash of personalities within family farms, but we don't want to lose the family jewels. And, and it's awful. We don't want to rock the boat because someone else. So we sit tight and it just it escalates. Um, but, you know, it can be done really, really well. And I think the sooner people start the conversation. But another thing, you know, which really frustrates me is a lot of the tax um regulations and everything often don't incentivize these conversations either um and you know i have heard some family farms saying oh we went to the accountant solicitor heather and they said no don't do anything just you, you find where you are so you know i think there's a lot of work we can do and i think for young people coming into the industry you know get a job description on the family farm get an employment contract you know what are your hours of work what is the pay what is the job description? Who's doing what? You know, what is included in your pay? What isn't? Because it's a lot of this assumptions. Um, and particularly when there's another family member comes into a business, it just clarifies everything. And, and if we can, you know, ideally delegate the roles and responsibilities and share that all out within the business. So we all have some ownership, some pride and some purpose. And then having family meetings. And, you know, I can picture some of the, the audience possibly rolling their eyes because... You know, family meetings, um, you know, they, they can be a bit clunky and a bit awkward and a bit embarrassing at the beginning. But, you know, and that's where maybe to start you off having an independent facilitator can work quite well, just so we all behave and we get an agenda. But these family meetings and having minutes can be, oh, they're worth their weight in gold. Because then we have a timeline, then we have an agreement, then everybody knows what was said, when it was said, and, and who was going to do what. And it then starts moving forward because a lot of people say oh we know what succession is we talk about it all the time but then maybe the children will say but we don't do anything about it you know so having that professionalism I think can really help. Well Jude I know that you are doing some work with the Federation of Young Farmers Clubs on mental health and resilience so is this an important issue do you think? Yeah it's a huge hugely important issue Dougie um, so yeah we're working with the Federation of Young Farmers DPJ in Wales DPJ Foundation 
Um, and really we're rolling out training uh, over the next two years, actually. Uh, we're starting off online as we all are having to do at the, at the moment, but uh, in the late summer, autumn time, we'll be doing more of this face-to-face uh, -face at first. And really it's a very positive training session around uh, looking after our own mental health, looking out for, for our friends, our family, and you know what can we do as to take steps to improve our own health and well-being and, and resilience. And, you know, and I, I think you, people are more open to discussing these topics. Um, the, the more that we do interact with people of all ages uh, around around mental health and resilience, um, the more normalized it is. As Heather says, there's some of these difficult conversations that we we tend to shy away from, but actually taking these steps, we're gradually starting to chip away at, at all of that stigma. Young farmers are a tremendous asset in, in all our farming communities and are supporting their whole community. One of the things that we're doing now, we're planning for post-lockdown an initiative called Reconnecting Our Farm Community. So we'll be working with young farmers and others. And we all know of people in our own locality or parish who have had a tough year, maybe a loved one has died by COVID or other tragic circumstances on the farm. So it's just about getting that social interaction going again. Um, and it's so important for all of us. Absolutely. And Adam, I want to ask you, when you started to feel, you know, that things you were kind of losing control mentally and that you were gonna ha you're having a problem there, if you, were you able to recognize that? And, and if you were, did you feel there were places to go? Did you feel there was a, a support network there for you? Or, or was, were you kind of not in that frame of mind to be able to look out for that help? I mean, I've never been really one for sharing, you know, my feelings. You know, everyone kind of knows me as black and white. I see how things are, but no, I kind of, it was, it was kind of strange when I had my mental breakdown. Yes, I was, I was under a lot of stress. You know, I was getting pulled from home and, you know, my ex-girlfriend. And I was out to deal with a lot and work was stressful as well. And, you know, I kind of just thought, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit shit, but, you know, I'll feel a bit better. And um, I don't know, I just kind of, one day, it was just like something clicked in my head, just, I just had enough, you know. And, you know, it, everybody says, oh, you could have spoke to me, you could have spoke to this person. And, you know, being a guy, you never really share your emotions, you know, and it takes a lot for somebody to speak up. And I wasn't at that stage of I'm not sharing my problems because... In my view, if I felt weak sharing my problems to somebody else, putting you know putting my problems, you know burdening somebody else is how I thought of it. And you know, and maybe if I did speak, I wouldn't have had such a bad mental breakdown. But you know, you live and learn, sort of thing. But you know, I think guys especially, you know, girls. In my view, girls have always got you know their friends. You can just speak to them about anything. But you know, guys. I mean, you know, nowadays you see oh, a lot of struggle and you go, they go, you know, man up sort of thing. And I think when somebody says man up, it's not the right thing to say. You know, you should, you know, a lot of friends have came to me and, you know, they said, oh, can I have a chat? And, I'm, you know, I'd, yeah, I never judge. You should never judge somebody about their problems because if somebody says man up, it's just basically saying, I don't care. I don't want to hear, hear what's wrong with you. And, you know, I think there's great work, you know, my young farmers, especially in SYFC, they're doing a lot of pushing folk to speak up. You know, it's not, nothing to be ashamed of speaking up, in my view, nowadays. You know, when I went into hospital, it did take me a long time to 
you know, to open up to the doctor properly. But, you know, when I went into hospital and there was guys there, yeah, I kind of said to myself, it's not just me, it's struggling. You know, when you see other guys in there and you have to sit there and share your problems, you know, it was a big eye-opener to me. It just isn't me, it was struggling my life. You know, and when I shared my story and the messages and calls, texts, you know, it was overwhelming, but it was a good overwhelming because it was like a lot of folks saying, actually, it's okay to be not be all right sort of thing. Sure, absolutely. And let's talk about the pandemic. I mean, you mentioned a bit earlier on about, about that and how, you know, we were talking about isolation and all that. Did that have an effect on your recovery as well, given the fact we're all kind of, you know, we're as an isolated industry anyway, but, you know, was did the pandemic have an issue uh, or did it create more problems within your recovery, do you think? Well, I mean, obviously I just worked the whole pandemic, really. Um, you know, I was just working with John. And then when I went into hospital, you know, I was in there from December. Well, yeah, it started December till mid-January. When I came out of hospital, I just, you know just kind of kept myself to myself to try and build myself back up. And I mean, I think, you know, the pandemic's not helped young farmers. You know, nobody's been able to get out to anybody, see anybody. Yes, the odd rule got broken sort of thing, but, you know, it's, the pandemic's not helped a lot of folk. And especially, it didn't quite affect me, but it did in a way because you couldn't just pop around and see your friend to speak to them about something. It was just one of the in that, if you want to take the risk, you take the risk, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? Sure. Doug, can I just pick up on a point there that Adam raised? Um, you know, it does take a lot for us to start to talk openly about some of these issues. And, you know, in FCM, we, we support about 6,000 farmers, farm family members every year to contact us, usually through our, our helpline. And we get more men than women contact us through our helpline. And, you know, as Adam says, sometimes women, you know, if you talk to other helpline organizations, they would say, or the majority of our calls are for women. So I think there's this change already happening. Um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to speak to your own family or friends. And, you know, speaking to one of our volunteers, we have, a big, we have 450 volunteers across England and Wales who take, who take the telephone helpline, but then we'll also go out and visit people in their own community. We'll meet in a local hotel, a cafe, uh, or, or come around the kitchen table and have, have those conversations. But sometimes, if not, the issues don't come across always in that initial conversation. Sometimes it's on the second or third call that then you start to deal or get to the, the roots of some of the issues. So, you know, I, I think it's um, what, what Adam is doing is, is just absolutely fantastic because the more people that he hear, us talking openly about this, then it gives it gives the rest of us permission to do to do the same. Absolutely. And Chris, I was going to ask you about, you know, what other mental health challenges do agricultural workers face these days? But before that, I mean, what's your reflection on Adam and others like Adam who are sharing their own stories and how that kind of helps with the, the work that you're doing too? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I think, you know, just by having that courage to come forward and, and share a story like that. And what Adam said was interesting, you know, when he was in, you know, his, you know, poor place mental health wise, um, he realised that he wasn't the only one. And that is the most important thing I think people can realise is that mental health, as Jude said, affects every part of society and it affects us all at different stages in our lives. And so having that realisation that you're not the only one, you know, the agriculture industry is affected by 
many problems, a lot out with their own control. That affects everybody within the agriculture industry, more or less, you know, different degrees it will affect them. The same issues will be affecting them. And having that realisation that they're not the only one out there, I think, is, is a really important message because it gives people that courage and helps to reduce that stigma to pick up the phone to us at RSABI if you're in Scotland and just take that first step and just have a gab, have a blather. And as Jude says, by doing that, then more and more um, begins to come out during the conversation and we can start identifying the more practical, emotional, financial support that, that we can provide. Sure. And what would you say are the wider, you know, mental health challenges within agriculture and, and what the actual workers face then? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot out there that is currently impacting agriculture, as we all know. Um, and a lot of that is out with your control, you know, and I think a lot of our clients, and I'm sure Jude will be the exact same, people find that difficult, not being able to control, you know, their, their, how they can get on with their business and stuff. So the weather, for instance, at the moment, it's been a particularly cold start to berry farming, for instance. So that's meant that a lot of production is two weeks late, which is having a knock-on effect on the season. Um, which is causing its own stresses in that particular area in, of the industry. So yeah, the weather has a big impact, even the, the way that the weather makes you feel, working outdoors all day, it's freezing, it's raining, MD would be miserable with that. It's these sorts of things that are out with their control and then, you know, very topical at the moment with Brexit and the impact of that and the potential impact with trade agreements. We're already getting calls from people who are concerned about that and the impact that that's going to have within the industry as well. Um, and then, you know, the things that Adam was talking about, about the rural isolation, and especially with COVID-19, it's meant that local marts have been suspended. That might be the only time where people would meet neighbours, friends, again, socialise. Agricultural shows have been cancelled. And a lot of our clients would plan their summer holiday based on agricultural shows and they would that would be when they would get to meet friends that they've maybe not seen for a year um, and that's been taken away from them as well so what they're left with almost is work and working already long hours seven days a week almost speaking to people and maybe a, a concerned family member calls us and they're, they're really concerned about their husband their wife's mental health but the response that they get from their partner or a friend is, I've not got time for that. I've not got time to speak about my feelings because I'm too busy working. The work-life balance, you know, is, is really tough within the sector as well. I, I suppose for me, having discussions like that can almost turn negative because it's a lot of negative issues that we're talking about, but we need to bring a real sense of positivity. And through the campaign work that FCN, RABI ourselves are doing, Farm Safety Foundation, FM is really to talk about it and reach out. And for us, especially in Scotland, to reach out and get that practical, emotional, financial support and when people need it, to really start moving forward and try and get the support that they need. Heather, I'm going to ask you about, um, you know, the, uh, sorry, someone going to come in there, actually? Yeah, can I just say something about the working, the working life? You know, I, I totally agree with that, but I think the pandemic, myself, I just, instead of, you know, spending time at home on my weekends off, I just decided just to work because there was no, you know, a, a lot of farmers, they just, they don't like sitting about doing nothing. So I found I just want to work all the time. And I don't think that done a lot good to my mental health because, you know, it is getting that work-life balance. But if you have nothing to do at the weekends, 
you know, as a farmer, you don't like sitting in the house watching telly, you know, or relaxing or spending time, you know, with girlfriend. You just rather be out doing something all the time. And I think, you know, the pandemic has hit a lot of folk. You know, they just went to work, just work, 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 get jobs done. You know, if you if it's raining, you can do something in the workshop. If it's not raining, you do something in the field sort of thing. And I think that is, it has been our big thing with COVID nineteen is, and a lot of farming industries. People have just worked, worked, worked. And a lot of my friends have said that the same. Instead of sitting with their girlfriends, they'd rather be out doing something, you know, out doing something on the farm. And, you know, they have got their girlfriends moaning at them. But the way they say it, it's rather be kept busy than sitting in the house. Because I found myself when I sat in the house, that's when my head started going to overdrive. But if I kept myself busy, I ignored what was going on. And I think as well, speaking to a lot of folk, you are just, you know, if you ask 100 people, you know, 99 of them will tell you they just worked right through the whole pandemic. I think, um, Adam, I think that's valid. And I think farming is is really guilty of that. We try and work our way out of a problem. And, and, and that isn't the answer. And, you know, time, all I hear is we haven't got time. We're too busy. haven't got time. And, you know, you can be a busy fool. And there's a lot of farmers, you know, if we stopped, talked, planned and took time off I really encourage a lot of my clients to work a four-day week and farmers say for god's sake Heather who's going to milk the cows who's going to do this but it's amazing how much more energy and sport and life you've got in you and more efficient you are if you have a, a long weekend you take some time off you crack on you get the work done you plan it you think about it you get the cover in you get away from the farm you switch off you go and speak to some friends you you sleep you know, a lot of people are not sleeping now. Um, you know, it's 24 seven, we've got the phone to go. There's always something stimulating our mind. And, and for me, I'm really, really encouraging young farmers, all of my clients to take some time off, to switch off. And, and that's where you're right, um, when you say about Chris, with the shows and everything been missing, because a lot of people, you know, it can be the most miserable lambing, calving weather. But, you know, when those first show seasons come up or it's agri-scot or whatever it is, you know, you leave your troubles at home, you go out and you, you put change your clothes, um, you see some friends and neighbours you haven't seen before, you smile. Like, you know, who stole the fun out of farming? You know, it is about enjoying and laughing and we've got so entrenched in, in how much is to do and how hard it is and how busy it is that I think we're not taking time out. And, it, you know, so maybe we need different girlfriends if they're not giving enough uh, encouragement to stay, <laughs> to stay off the farm. Because, you know, that time shared with somebody else, going for a walk, I think one thing COVID has really brought to a lot of people is the appreciation of all the countryside that we've got, the scenery we've got, you know, seeing all the lovely flowers and the birds and the, you know, wildlife. But because we were all so busy before, we haven't, someone says, oh, the season's always this beautiful. So... I think in our culture, we do need to encourage people to take holidays, to finish at reasonable times. And, and you know, if you worked in an office, you would you'd finish at five and you'd maybe have a commute. And a lot of farmers say, oh, it's great. You know, we walk out the door and we're in our, in our workplace. And that has a lot of pluses and positives, but actually it's also a negative because we take all of that stress, all of the overthinking straight into the house. So, you know, I know some people quite close to me that can come in like a black cloud of frustration and anger, whether it be a staff member, a family member, an animal or whatever. And, you know, that then impacts the children and impacts the relationships and it impacts everything else. So 
to try and find, you know, and I know there's certain times you can't when it's harvest or whatever, but what we need to make sure is that we don't become a slave to the farm and yeah. invest in ourselves. Do you know, some, somebody, an old farmer said to me, there's never enough time in the day to get all the jobs done. And I used to think, yeah, I'll just keep working, keep working. But nowadays, I now go by, there's always tomorrow. Because, like, my days off, I spent a lot of time with my ex-missus, but I wasn't doing much else. I was always still, you know, helping with horses, doing anything, everything like that. I was never taking time to for myself. And nowadays, you know, it is good to take time, you know, because my boss at the minute, you know, I moved away from John's, and she said to me, you have a work-life balance. I don't want you working all the time. And she does push for that. Like, this weekend, you know, it's bank holiday down in England here at the minute. And she says, you can go to your own home tomorrow whether you like it or not. You're going to have a long weekend. And bosses like that as well, they need to kind of push their workers. Because myself, being young, I just want to work. You know, I have nothing else to do. But, you know, when actually young farmers opened up again, I loved it. You know, getting into a shirt, getting into a polo shirt, getting your murky boots off, getting your good boots on into the car, and you get a good laugh with the boys. Even going to the pub, sitting outside, yes, it was about minus 10, but, you know, big jacket on, you're all right. And, I think, you know, rugby starting up a game, that really helped a lot of folk because, you know, 90% of young farmers all play rugby or they all do some sort of rugby or young farmers, you know, tug of wars on a game. And I think it's, you know, bosses should just say there's a limit to what you do work because people do work themselves on the ground. And then, you know, the fact, you know, your relationship break up your families because you never see them. Your girlfriends hate it, other seniors, you either at night time, you know, Louise said to me, if you don't stop working long hours, there's going to be a bit of a problem. Because all she was seeing me is when I was getting in at 10 o'clock at night, I get my tea, get, get a shower, go to bed, and she'll see me, you know, in bed. I'll be up at five o'clock and back at the door. You know, it's it's hard for other people as well. Yeah. Adam, Adam, basically what we're talking about is burnout. And it is so common in the farming sector. And uh, you talk about a work-life balance. I, I remember talking to a group of farmers and I, I was talking to them about a life farm balance. You need to put life first, the farm, the business has to come second. So we have to keep it all in perspective. Absolutely. Right. A question. To, yeah. A question to all of you then. What kind of support do you think and development would you like to see around mental health in the future within agriculture? And Chris, I'll come to you first for me. I think for me, we need to keep this sort of conversation going and having chats like this and Adam coming forward is, you know, fantastic. And it, you know, encourage hopefully a lot more people to come forward and talk. You don't want it to be a flash in the pan issue that, you know, is just topical at the moment in five years time. It's not going to be because if we're all being honest with ourselves, the impact of Brexit still to be felt, you know, it's climate change and the issues that that's going to bring to the farming industry. It is going to be tough going forward. So, um, you know, mental health issues are going to be around for a long time. So it's important that we keep this conversation going. And as I say, it's not a flash in the pan topic that just happens to be topical now. Um, we need, you know, support like the likes of putting these talks together and, you know, continue to campaign on the importance of, of reaching out and, and speaking to people. Absolutely. Heather, the same question to you then. What kind of support and development would you like to see in the future? I'd like to see that farmers actively talked quite with pride that, oh, I finished work at five o'clock. I have every other weekend off. I take four weeks holiday a year because there seems to be this 
well, well you're lazy you're a laggard you know what, what what call yourself a farmer you know that's not farming and if you're not working 24 7 and falling asleep in your soup when you go out for a meal you know you, you're not committed to the industry and I think we need to encourage more people to actually have a work-life balance to take some personal account we have only one life let's make it special and let's love what we're doing because I think there's a lot of people trapped in situations in businesses and circumstances that just don't make them happy but they're too afraid because of the family pressure of legacy to be the one to say I need to go and do something else I need to leave this business it, you know and I think it's people been proud enough and saying Look, I, I want to earn 40 50,000 pounds a year I want to have holidays I want to have weekends I'm not going to get that from this business unless we change and rather than just be miserable and not want to rock the boat and I think we're getting more with that with um, you know these great there's wonderful what these organizations are pulling together great like people like Adam speaking out but I think also colleges and universities you know as part of the the education system is talking about mental health talking about the importance of planning and taking ownership and talking about the, the importance of being able to step away and time out as well um, because we have got this rat race um, and I think you know DEFRA and the, um, the surveys and everything that's coming out now you know for transition planning I think that's going to be a good thing going forward and that'll help mental health because we can have some uh, control over our own destiny and everything as well because I think that's a lot of the time we get frustrated because we feel everything's saying no to us are difficult and challenging whereas if we can see opportunity and and getting agriculture to talk solution focus would just be great rather than what we can't do or who's stopping us would just be fantastic and if I could just come and I thought it was interesting what Heather was saying you know about the competitive nature that's almost in you know these agricultural communities and looking over at what your neighbours might be doing and it's that sort of mentality that I think here is absolutely right. It has to change a wee bit and having pride in, you know, your work-life balance and, you know, taking time out and stuff. So, no, 100% agree with that as well. Okay, Jude, the same question to you. That what kind of support and development do you think we should be seeing in the future? I think we need to keep it all in perspective because, you know, the UK has a fantastic future in agriculture going forward. Heather and I both had the opportunity over the years to, to um, be part of a Nuffield scholarship where we were, were able to travel to other countries and to look at agriculture and many different sectors. Just taking that step back is absolutely crucial. And there are opportunities out there for farmers like the Nuffield scholarship. So like I'm just thinking of Chris and Adam here, maybe that's something they would consider in the future. But, you know, just to step out of the environment that we're in, and sometimes there can be so much negativity in, the, in our circles of friends or in the farming community. One of the biggest things for me as part of that travel with Nuffield was we are the envy of the world in many, many parts of the world. You know, the soils that we have, the climate we have, what we can grow. You look at the global population and the demands of the food and, you know, the interest in food that's being produced on these islands. There's a fantastic future, but we just need to focus on that positivity, harness it, and be open about the mental health issue, be open about the success, get those conversations had. In other parts of the world, folks are encouraged to try 10 different things, and if one thing works out, then fantastic. But sometimes there's a huge burden on people. Oh, this farm was in my generation, in my family for so many generations. My dad was able to make it work, my granddad was able to make it work. You have to do what's right for you. 
and your own family. It's, you know, and as, as Heather says, with one life, just make the most of it. I think also, you know, recommendation for the likes of Adam is build, build your team around you. Um, you know, there's so much negativity as we talk, there's a lot of moaning and groaning, um, but, you know, have radiators around you, people who lift you up, motivate you, stimulate you. And I think investing in yourself, there's some wonderful leadership programs. And oh, we've been doing the Cultivating Leaders, Adam, I don't know whether you're aware of that. And, and that time of getting away from work, getting away from the family meeting with some like-minded positive people like we got the privilege of Jude with the the Nuffield really makes you think oh my god how did you do that you can do and and you've got a support network that you're not feeling you maybe needing to phone a counsellor or something like that but you've got some young farmers who are like-minded that you know you can speak up and say how did you get through this what did you do and realizing you're not alone and I think that is one of the real key things is realizing you're not alone and there's there's always someone got your back and they'll say come on we can help you through this talk to me. See going back to what I was saying there about but friends, I've definitely found my found out who my true friends are in life. And also the young farmers that support me as well. Speaking up, you know, when I spoke to the Scottish farmer and spoke to Claire, she was saying, Wow, you know, I was so open and I wasn't there was no bullshit what I was saying. It was blatant truth of what happened to me. You know, it is a bit of a blur going back to it all, and it's like one of them, it's but I think back to it, you know, and it is, you know. When I speak to the young farmers, they've spoke to me and said, you know, I am struggling, you know, and you've always kind of got that messages of how are you doing, asking each other. And when I was in hospital, I met friends for life in there because you're all in there struggling with life, but you're all helping each other through it. You know, I speak to people that I was in hospital, you know, because I, I spent quite a long time and, and they were discharged before me, but they all still speak. And when I was in hospital, I struggled to admit to my own best friends, you know, people that stand by me, no matter what I did wrong. I struggled to see, say what was going on. I just said, oh, I better admit that I've done something silly. And it did take me a while to, you know, think it's okay to speak up. It's okay to tell your friends because if they're not going to support you when you're going through such a shit time, they're not your friends, you know. And there's a lot of that black and white of you know, boys should be boys, but speaking is a big thing in farming. And, you know, and a lot of the Are You OK campaign, you know, SYFC are doing, and they're trying to push, it is crucial to keep speaking. You know, I'm lucky enough that I get to speak to my nurse every two weeks and I've got my doctors on call if I need them. And I speak to my psychiatrist often. And, you know, it was interesting because I heard on the radio that in England alone that, a&E are seeing such a climb of people in their 30 going into hospital and saying, I'm really struggling. And the waiting times are, are long. You know, hospitals are overcrowded. They just can't get staff. And I think it's it's bad who, you know, the situation got. And I think we're very lucky in farming that a lot more bosses are now seeing that you have to ask your staff if you're okay. I went to college at Borders and made a big campaign about it. Radio Borders spoke about, you know, my own mental health battle and stuff. And I think the more people that speak, it's going to get to the stage that it's just a normal topic. You know, you could ask your friend in the pub, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm feeling a bit crap. And you speak about it, you know, when it's about 60 sitting around a table. 
there shouldn't be nothing. You should never be embarrassed to speak to your best friend. And, you know, I've got scars in my arms and I'm not ashamed of them because it reminds me of how far I've came, if I'm honest with you. And, and beyond that, beyond the circle of friends, Adam, what, what about, the, you know, the support structure within Pharma? What would you like to see which makes that conversation easier? Maybe if you can't, you know, if someone is struggling and they feel that they can't speak to their friend or their family, what would you like to see in terms of the support going forward that would help everyone who's, who's had a situation or be in a situation like you? See, a lot of folks say to me, what's Samaritan and stuff like that? And, you know, my nurse says to me, and I said to him, I said, you know, it takes a lot to speak to a stranger. And I think if you can get, if you've got a good structure or friends around you and you should be able to go to your boss and say, listen, I'm struggling. This is what's going on. If you if your boss isn't willing to support you, then I think it's wrong. You know, in farming as well, you've got RSABI. And I think young farmers as well, they should be pushing for other guys and girls just to speak in groups, you know, having that, something you can just text and say, I'm a bit struggling, you know. And so farming is such a an older industry and it's kind of stuck in its ways but you know I am seeing that it's now starting to come in a topic of if you're struggling you're struggling there's nothing to be ashamed of it and I think that is crucial to keep going forward is just keep speaking up you know like Chris Chris said it shouldn't just be one you know this is topic now you know it should be every time every month there should be that campaign of just keep pushing the campaign for folk speaking if people keep seeing the campaign they see other folks speaking up, they're going to realise it's okay to speak up. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And it is, you know, it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's that crucial words that everybody keeps saying to me that it's okay. <laughs> you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I used to think I'm weak speaking up. You know, I'm not seeing my problems. And now I'm just like, if I'm struggling, I just say I'm having a shit day. You know, I, this is what's going on. I need a bit of time to myself. And it's great. You know, my boss is at the minute. If I'm having a bit of an off day, they just say, you want a bit of time to yourself, just, you know, have a day off sort of thing. And I think that is crucial. Just bosses should be more open to saying, if you're struggling, just come to me. One of the important points that Adam just highlighted was around the gap in services. So one of the things that we find in FCN, and I'm sure Chris does in RSABI, we are coming across people who do need professional support, who do, who do need counselling, psych, psychotherapy, and, and we are holding people as, as best we possibly can while they're on waiting lists to access those services. I think we need to talk more loudly about um, the lack of some of these services in rural areas because we don't have the large populations or statistically it doesn't come up in deprivation indexes. That these rural areas need additional services. I think we need to sort of stress to government that actually there's, there is a gap there that we need to we need to fill. And you know, there's only so much that us in the community and voluntary sector can do. Um, and really, those professional services. My ex-girlfriend, she phoned their doctors up, their GP, and they just kept messing about the tablets and saying, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And I think getting a bit more GPs get involved in mental health and. You know, because my I'm lucky enough, my GP, when I said I'm struggling, they just jumped straight into referrals and tablets and stuff. And yes, medication isn't always the answer, but, you know, there's some cases that medication has to come into play. And it is one of them that GPs are just trying to push them off to the other, service, other services, but it's just one of them, the waiting list is that long. They, you know, you've got the wellbeing service in Edinburgh do a lot of work people and services like that they do help folk I must admit. 
ourselves at RSABI, you know, part of our services, if somebody is struggling with their mental health, we can offer counselling um, and support, you know, to get private counselling. But as Jude says, you know, there's only so much that third sector organisations, voluntary organisations can do. And as Adam's rightly pointed out, um, there is a strain on these services. So, yeah, more has to be tried to be done. To, and especially COVID-19, that's only going to exacerbate the problem, I think, as well. So there's going to be a lot of focus on that, or there should be at least anyway going forward. I just wanted to say as well, I think when we're talking about other services that could possibly be brought in, one of the highest stress things I think brings into a lot of family businesses is when we've got the farm assurance and the audits and everything. A lot of people really panic. And I know there's maybe one or two people out there, but more support for people to do a pre-audit before the inspectors come in, I think would be really, really useful and take a lot of pressure off people that are not very, um, you know, computer literate or struggle with paperwork and everything as well. So I think that that would really help because it does seem to put a lot of pressure on families and businesses. I wonder if we could have a respite centre for burnt out farmers um, that, you know, we can send them off to this wonderful uh, oasis and um, or even send them to someone else's farm because, you know, farming someone else's farm is a lot more fun than farming your own sometimes. So doing like some home exchanges because we're also we can't get away because who's going to look after the, the farm or the stock. But if we could maybe do some uh, farm swaps and you might realise um, just a change of scene is as good as a, um, as a rest sometimes. So. There could be some other opportunities for working smarter. Linking uh, showground, my farm manager's partner's part of that organisation, and she said that they've now created a, you know, you, the young farmers, you go to about, I think it's 25, 28, sort of thing, and you're kind of just like left in the general population. And they've now created this organisational group, so to speak, that's like everybody under 35, you come together, you see each other's farms, you spend time, you talk about things that you're struggling. Basically, can all the young farmers for, I think, if more people like the Royal Helen, if they can do something like that, I think would be going far just for, you know, a group that can come together maybe once a month or whatever it is, I can't remember what they do. What happens to the ones that's over 35? Because I, I can think of a lot of people in their 50s and 45s that's thinking. Because <laughs> sometimes it, it, it can hit you in different waves, can't it? I think it can hit you sort of mid to late teens. And then it can hit you as you've got children and family, the, the pressure and responsibilities. And then it can hit you later in life. So I think I think you're, you're bang on there, Adam. Young Farmers gives a great pull and community, a purpose. There's lots of mixing and matching and, um, and events and things. And then, you know, then if you want to get into the NFU and things, there is all of that, but it doesn't tend to be as fun and as, as, as well, I shouldn't say that because it can be, I'm sure, but, you know, it can be a lot more political. Whereas if we could have some events and organisations, and I think the Highland Society has got a great opportunity to do something like that. So I'll certainly take that on board, Adam, and uh, see what we can do. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got that new members hall, you know, even at, like, people meeting up. You know, stock, I find if you go stock judging, you get a good crack before, you know, you're looking around other people's stock, you're having a bit of crack. You can see another way farms work it can help your own farm, you know, because me, I've been self-employed, worked with other farmers, and I've came to different farms and said, well, maybe you should try this, and it's worked for them. Seeing other people with the way they work and how they do things, it just opens everybody's eyes up, because a lot of folk now, they're all about ploughing and all that carry on, but now focusing mental and 
tillage and stuff, and they're finding that you know it's better make equipment that is so expensive. And in this part where I am at the minute, we all work together. You know, we cover about nineteen hundred acres, but you know, we all just work together to get the job done. Discussion groups are a great, um, a, a great concept and brilliant to get off farm to meet like-minded people to share problems, to share issues, and to come up with solutions and ideas. Um, and you're bang on. It's about getting off your farm, going on to somebody else's, and and just seeing how someone else is doing it, and coming back rested and stimulated. I would love to have it brought in, you know, with banks, because when you're farming abroad, you know, a lot of guys have to have qualifications for farming and they have to have a succession plan in place to, to, to borrow money. And I think if we had more of that, it would encourage the conversations in businesses as well. So the young people were brought into the conversations, they were brought into the business plan, they were brought into the vision of the business. And I think also, you know, there's a lot of contracts now for farms. You know, so we've got Tesco's, the supermarkets, we've got the, the abattoirs, loads of different ones, you know, encouraging people to say, well, have you got a succession plan in place? Because when succession plans are in place, we've got innovation, we've got investment, we've got pride, we've got purpose, we've got energy. And, and it really drives the whole industry and the sector forward. So if we can get more sectors saying that, you know, we have to have this conversation families rather than being forced to there'll be more people going through it in an earlier stage before there's problems rather than the fallout and there's a clash and everything i think it's quite hard to get into farming as well nowadays because like you said if you don't know somebody you don't know names it's hard but a lot of like you know i was looking at stock and they said you know they're looking for apprenticeships and i think you know bringing folk into farming they may not have any idea what they're doing but if you wanted to teach somebody, you know, myself, I was brought up in the countryside and, and then I got onto a local farm and he taught me everything and I went onto somebody else's farm and they taught me everything I know now. And I went off and explored, you know, worked around the country over in Ireland and try to get that experience. It's hard sometimes because nobody wants to try and take a risk with a young person, you know, and I think it is just trying to get that foot in the door is the hardest thing. A lot of folk want to try and start up their own businesses you just can't get the funding and all the rest of it. A huge thank you to all my guests on Future for Farming today, brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland. If you or anyone you know has been affected by a mental health issue, please see the notes in the episode description. For more up-to-date agricultural content, go to Royal Bank Business Hub slash agriculture. <laughs>